John, thank you to you and the team for the invitation, for the trust, for the opportunity. And I've been so excited about being uh, with you and sharing with you. And it's my joy for a few moments to share the Word of God. And I uh, really uh, feel that I want to try and encourage you along a very simple idea, especially as we are approaching Christmas. And just the sense that there is, I believe, a phenomenal opportunity for us as the Church of Jesus Christ to shine as lights in the darkness. And I felt very strongly the Lord put that on my heart for you. So I'm going to read a couple of verses from the Bible. If you want to follow with me in your own Bible, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Now, probably this will come up on the screen as if by magic. Uh, So Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Beautiful words from Jesus. And Jesus is speaking to a group of people, many of whom are already following him but a whole bunch of people who would like to follow him and are thinking about following him. And Jesus really, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, gives us a phenomenal outline of what the kingdom of God looks like. Now, not just sort of the kingdom that's way out there and in the future, but he means here the kingdom of God right here, right now. What does God's reign and rule look like today in their world? And in the midst of that, he says these incredible words. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, and he says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house, in the same way. I love that. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. And as we are about to enter into the Christmas season, I believe that we have an opportunity to shine like never before. Our world needs our light, right? I mean, it needs the light of Jesus, absolutely, but his light shines through us. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing that if you open the very first page of the Bible, the very first words of God in the creation story are, yeah, let there be light, absolutely. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, there's a really little weird conundrum in the creation story, because the sun and the moon don't get made until day four. Now, that's a scientific conundrum. It's not a theological one. Okay, so theologically, of course, what that's saying is, day four, the sun gets made. That's That's the light that's powering the universe. But somehow, on day one, there's a light happening that's greater than the sun. All right? Now, theologically, it's not meant to wreck our brain scientifically. It's meant to throw us back to the idea that actually this light then isn't even just a physical light. It's a dynamic light that's coming from God himself, who, of course, as we read the Bible, is described as a God, the God who is light within that. When you go to the very, almost the last page of the Bible, It talks about the the new heaven and the new earth, and it talks about the new Jerusalem, the city where God's glory is going to be seen. And here's what it says, For the glory of God gives it light, 
And the lamb, speaking of Jesus, is the lamp. Okay, and before that it said that New Jerusalem won't need the sun or the moon to light it up. So you get these two amazing bookend ideas in the Bible. You get Genesis chapter 1, God saying the first words, let there be light, but it's not the sun and the moon, it's him or the light coming from him. And then some, whatever it looks like in the, in the future and eternity, that, that new eternal experience, that the light is going to be powered by God himself. We won't need solar panels, wind power. Greta Thornburg will be really happy um, in the context of that. So, so you've got that sense of light topping and tailing the scriptures. But, but the inference being that we're being drawn to the God who is light. And then, of course, we've got a beautiful idea in the incarnation of Jesus. When Jesus comes to earth, he's described as the life who brings light to men. The light, uh, the, 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 the light came and the darkness didn't understand it, John says in the opening of his gospel. And then in the same gospel, Jesus declares himself, I am the light of the world. But it doesn't stop there. We, we sort of expect that trajectory in the scriptures. But in the Old Testament part of the Bible, God's people are called the light. In fact, they were called to be the light to the Gentile nations. And then the followers of Jesus in the passage that we have just read are called to be the light. In fact, Jesus declares you, and the word, the, the you there is plural. You, he says, you are the light of the world. And what's really fascinating, this is really interesting, the Bible never tries to explain the power of light. Because people intuitively know the power of the light. Even if you live in the 21st century or you lived in the first century, you know that light is powerful, right? Even if we don't understand the science of how a light works, we know that every time we turn the light on, darkness goes, without exception. So I'm 55 years of age and I've never once turned the light on and the darkness pushed back. Every single time you turn the light on, or in the first century world, light the lamp, it always chases away the darkness. So when people are listening to Jesus, Jesus is not trying to convince them of the power of the light, because everybody in the crowd knows light is powerful, even if it's a tiny, squidgy little light. They know it works. They know it's powerful. What Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 5 is not the power of the light. That's a given. It's the position of the light he's arguing for, right? Light's powerful, but if it's put in the wrong position, its power can be minimized, right? Is that fair? If we, if we don't allow the light to be what it is in an influential position, we can minimize its influence into our world. So I've got my, I've got my lovely little smartphone here. Most people probably in, in this congregation have got one. This is, see, this is not really a phone. This is a, like a computer slash everything else I need for life sort of thing. I, I hardly use the phone bit. Who's with me? I, I'm sort of using my phone less and everything else on here more. Um, it's an incredible little thing. One of the things I'm so grateful for my phone for is the torch. 
This little torch has got me out of trouble more than once. It's an amazing little thing. It's actually more powerful than you think. This really gives a lot of light. But imagine if I took this little torch and stuck it in my back pocket. Right, question. Is the light still shining? It is. It is. It might even be coming through. Does it come through? It does. It comes through. There we are. I didn't want you looking at my backside there, but you know, uh, there we are. The light is actually still shining. The torch is still on. The light is still powerful. The problem is not the light. The problem is, I've put it in my pocket. That's the problem. And, and if I want this light to be effective, I've got to have the courage of moving it from my pocket into a place where it can be effective. Hey, do you know, you've got a phenomenal Christmas program coming up. And actually, this, this little leaflet, John hasn't asked me to do this. I'm just jumping in on this. This little leaflet is an opportunity for you naturally and relatively, relatively easily. I know for some of us this is not so easy, right? But this is a relatively easy way of getting your torch out of the pocket. This is an opportunity for you to go to your friend at work who you've been building that relationship with or your next door neighbor who's a little bit isolated and still a bit, a bit worried about COVID and everything that's going on. And this is an opportunity for you to say, hey, why don't you come to our Christian community where there's something really exciting happening at Christmas? You know, if you could be that third person in the van, that's a great opportunity to get your torch out of your pocket, right? Come on. I, I'm a DIY, a DIY klutz, so I would be just going for the free lunch, it has to be said. Um, so I'll take it wherever it is um, within that. But, but that's an opportunity. You building a hamper, whether you can be like John and Ruth and, and build a full hamper, or maybe your circumstances don't allow that, but you could contribute to a hamper, that's you getting your torch out. Right? That's you and me saying, do you know what? We've all got challenges. Life is difficult for everybody. But there's an opportunity for me here as a follower of Jesus to shine as a light in the darkness by doing relatively simple stuff. Okay? It's not like we're having to do anything crazy at the minute because our world is so troubled and so dark. And if you've watched the news over the last 24 hours, I, look, I turned on the news yesterday and thought, why do we have an extended news program on a Saturday when I want the football results? I had to go to BBC Two for the football results yesterday. What's going on? Of course, yeah, it's COVID. It's, it's something related to that bug. And of course, now people are nervous and worried and getting anxious again. And there is a sense in which many, many wonderful people out there are more nervous about life, the universe, and everything in it than they have ever been in their entire lives. Now, we're all affected by that as followers of Jesus, but... But, and it's a massive but, and we've already heard it, all is well. The Lord is with us. He wants to help us. The difference between me and you and people who don't have Jesus in our world is that we're facing the uncertainty with the one true and living God rock-like in our hearts and in our lives. That, that whatever is shaking out there, we know there is something in here that cannot fall over. 
that will not fail, that the Lord we serve is faithful, that he will keep us in the palm of his hand. Now, that's something, that's a hope, that's a life that we can go to our world in and say, like, we, we get it, we understand, we get the fear, we get the anxiety, we get all the nervousness around our world, but can we point you to someone who can be your rock in the, in, in the sand, who can be your light in the darkness. And, and I think we've got a phenomenal opportunity. When I was pioneering um, my first church, my wife and I pioneered a little church halfway between Wakefield and Barnsley, a little village called Havercroft. You've never heard of that. If you have, you're the first human ever that has heard of that who didn't live there. So, so the tiny little village, a couple of thousand people, not long after the mining strike, some of you of a certain age will remember the year-long national mining strike, and it scarred this particular area. So it was a pretty hairy experience. And uh, I, I'm from Belfast, so you know, shipyard was our tradition in the Belfast. In Belfast, but all all the all the, the the sort of people in our village were all miners or ex-miners. I thought I need to sort of do something to have at least something to talk about. Uh, that's, that's common with them. So I went to the Yorkshire Mining Museum. I thought, I'll go down a mine and see what that's like so at least I can have something to talk about when I meet some of these older boys around, it, around it, the village. And so I went to the Yorkshire Mining Museum and it was a phenomenal tour. It's really worth a look. It's a bit scary to see what humans did to get coal out of the ground. I don't know what they paid miners, but whatever it was, it wasn't enough. Let me just say that. And I wouldn't have done mining for love nor money, I have to say. It was an incredible experience to see how mining has developed and some of the things they did. And they took us down this mine shaft, about a, about a dozen of us. We had a guide and we saw all these incredible displays under the ground. It was amazing. It was freezing absolutely freezing. And, um, and so at one point, our guide gathered us round in a circle. Thought we were going to have a prayer meeting, but we didn't. We just, we just gathered round and we had our hard hats on with the lights. And uh, he said to us, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to all turn our lights off. And I go, okay, fine. He said, now here's what I want. Nobody move. Yeah, I want you to stay still in the circle. Don't move. Just turn your lights off. And we'll see what happens next. To give you a sense of what these men would have experienced when they had a cave in, for example. And so we go, okay, let's do that. So he said, one, two, three, and we all switched our lights off. Now, what happened next was life changing, like genuinely life changing. I discovered two things in that moment. I discovered, first of all, the power of darkness. See, darkness only reigns where there is no light. And under the ground, 150 feet under the ground, there is absolutely no light. And when there's no light, you're blind. I couldn't see a thing. I put my hand up to my eye, couldn't see it. Couldn't see a thing. In fact, uh, without, without overcooking this, but I'm, I'm being sincere here, the darkness was so dark, I felt like I could taste it. Now, I, I know that sounds really weird, but I'm, I'm just telling you how I felt. It was like it was in my mouth. It was everywhere. It just absolutely invaded everything. And within 30 seconds or so, I was completely disorientated. I did not know where I was. If you'd have said to me, for a million pounds, find the exit. And we'd still be there. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't know which direction I even was facing. Now, I know that's hard to believe when you're sitting in a beautiful 
well-lit room like this. But when there's a world without darkness, it is absolutely incredible. And then, and then he said this to us. He said, he said, now just switch your light back on. And we turned our lights back on. There was actually a sigh of relief from people. It was unbelievable. And, and, and what it, the second thing it taught me was the power of the light. Those little lamps, those little, I call them Dalek lamps. Those little lamps in your, in your helmet chased the darkness away. And I was never so glad to see the light as at that moment. Now, now theologically, as a follower of Jesus, it was a, it was a revelatory experience. I came out of that mine, and here's what I understood. People in darkness have no idea of a life other than the life they have until somebody shines a light. When you're in the darkness, you're in the darkness. And in fact, when you're in the darkness, that's the only thing you know. So you get used to the darkness. You live in the darkness. Now, now of course, there are people in darkness that live very, very, very bad lives. And there are people in darkness that are good people trying to live a good life. But when you're in the dark, you're in the dark. And it's not until someone flips a light on that you realize, hold it. There's an alternative to the darkness. Are you with me? And it's so, so, so important that, that we recognize even our good neighbors, our good friends, people who are good people that we know, family members that are good people who are not followers of Jesus, it is like they are living in a mine without life, without light. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say they're bad people in the sense that they're doing bad things, but what I'm saying is their spiritual experience is one where they might as well be in a 150-foot mine without a light. They don't know anything different. And that's why we, as followers of Jesus, need to shine. Not because we're better than them. God help us all. Of course we're not. I've lived long enough to know I'm not better than anybody. If it wasn't for the grace of Jesus, I wouldn't be alive. And that's the truth. So I'm not better than my neighbor. The only difference between me and my neighbor is I've seen the light. They haven't. Are you with me? The only difference between me and my neighbor is I've experienced that light. Not only have I seen it, that light now resides inside me. Jesus has become my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. And because of that, I am transformed. So what we as followers of Jesus must never do is say, we're better than people because we've got light inside us and they're still in the darkness. What we've got to remember is we would be in the darkness if the light hadn't have shone into our lives. And it, 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 it keeps us humble in a good way, that actually we're not better than the world around us. We're just, we've just experienced the grace, the goodness, the loving kindness of the Lord that has set us free and transformed our lives. that makes sense to you? So as we come up to Christmas, the issue is not the power of the light, but the position of the light. And Jesus wants to challenge us with this little idea as we think about this, that light is always powerful. Always, 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 without exception. Light is always powerful. But it is the position of the light that determines its influence. Now, I am absolutely convinced that there are people in this town, there are people in our world that are, that are, ready to 
to be influenced by the positioning of the light as we approach this Christmas. I, I believe that. I cannot believe that that is not the case. I, I believe there are people waiting to see light, but of course the light has to touch them and impact them. And I want to encourage you as we approach Christmas to think about that. I mean, this is an idea for followers of Jesus that, that doesn't just apply to Christmas. But I think Christmas gives us an amazing extra wee opportunity to get the torch out of the pocket, right? Even for the shy ones among us, even for the, the people lacking confidence in the room in terms of your own light, this provides an amazing opportunity. And three simple ideas, hopefully, to encourage you from this passage. And I hope this helps you because uh, it helps me as a follower of Jesus. So I'm hoping it also helps you. Here's the first idea we learn from the light picture. The light here in our verse is positioned by intention. Don't know if you noticed the language Jesus uses. When he says you're the light of the world, he then uses two examples to essentially say the same thing. Don't know if you noticed that. But he uses the example of the city on the hill and the lamp on the stand. All right, are you with me? So, so look at what he says in verse 14. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now that's just, that's just we'll do the first part first. A city on a hill. Now here's the point of, of, of what Jesus is driving at. That actually, that, that city on the hill didn't arrive there by accident. Somebody deliberately built the city on a hill. Now, why did they build that city on a hill? Probably two reasons. Strategically, always good in the first century world to have your, your city on a higher place. So it's for, for security reasons. But secondly, the light of the city would, would genuinely light up the whole area. That when the lights came on in that city, travelers would be able to see the light of the city from miles around. Remember, they wouldn't have had electric lights, you know, on the pathway and on their motorways. They would have been in the darkness. And as they're walking in the darkness, which was never a wise thing to do, and they're hoping to find some solace, what are they looking for? The light of the city. The city on a hill. And then Jesus uses the second example, verse 15. He says, speaking of the lamp, he says, instead of putting the lamp under the bed sort of thing or under a bowl, he says, they put it on a stand. It's interesting that all of our lights, virtually without exception, are high up. All right? Why? Because it's giving maximum influence for the light, right? It's, it's intentional. They've been put there intentionally. Now, I, I know technology allows us to put lights on the floor and have amazing effect, but by and large, those lights are positioned to give us a maximum influence, and therefore, their positioning is intentional. And, and I think that's such a simple idea that we miss it. We get all sophisticated and like try and think of, of clever, like mind-bending ideas that Jesus is getting on. And here's what Jesus is saying. When you light a lamp, where do you put it? Everybody goes, well, you put it on a stand. Boom. It's that simple. He says, if you want the light to be influential, put it on the stand. The city that's built on the hill, everyone's grateful for that in the darkness because they can see it. It's there by intention. Now, now this is where this can help you. 
This gives me an opportunity to be intentional. Now, can the Holy Spirit use random? He can. My youngest daughter, she's 20, loves the word random. Random. Everything's random. She's, she's a random person. Um, so, so, but actually, the Holy Spirit can not only use random, that is, you can just bump into someone and in, in, in a so-called random moment you can share your faith. But, but also the Lord is really into intention. This is a lamp, a light on a lamp opportunity. This is a city on a hill opportunity. This is an intentional. The hampers, 50 hampers that could touch 50 families that will be shocked by your loving kindness and generosity is an intentional opportunity. Getting, being that third person in the van is intentional. Buildings, building a, a three, what is it? A triple bunk bed. Wow, a triple bunk bed. My goodness. That doesn't sound like much, but for someone who can't build a bed, it's just what they need, right? And you showing up on Thursday to build their bed, that's intentional. That's not random. Come on, you with me? That, that actually, Jesus wants his people, wants me and you, wants this community this Christmas just to think a little bit more intentionally. Yes, he can use the random. Yes, he can use the spontaneous. Yes, he can use the sort of unexpected. Of course he can. He does that all the time. But, but one of the things he can also use is me and you, together or individually, being intentional about where the light could actually sit. And if we're prepared to think about that, it can make a tremendous difference. My wife was getting her hair cut with my oldest daughter. So we live in North Lincolnshire and our closest town is Scunthorpe, sunny scunny. And, uh, and, and we live there and, 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 and like it there. We, it's, a, it's a lovely area. It, the, the town itself has suffered with some of the recessionary issues. So it, it's, it needs a wee bit of TLC, but uh, a lot going on there and a lovely place to live. And my, my wife... Uh, found a hairdresser we moved we moved into the area just before the lockdown and she went there with my oldest daughter and so I left the two of them to it and I thought well I've got a few wee jobs to do in town I'll walk through the town and uh, and grab a coffee and then come back uh, half an hour later and hopefully hopefully they're finished and so I was walking through the town walking past Greg's who loves a Greg's come on chicken bake can't beat it, right? Uh, sausage roll. I'll have three of those. So, so Greg's, uh, and I'm walking past Greg's, not a word of a lie, and the Holy Spirit said to me, buy some donuts. Now, I, I'm of a certain age, I'm of a certain age where I only have to look at a donut, and it, it goes to parts of my body where I don't want it to go, right? So, but seriously, the Holy Spirit said to me, buy some donuts. So I walked into Greg's and uh, I saw something I've never seen before in Greg's. And actually, I've checked this out since and I haven't seen it since. And as I walked into Greg's and stood in the queue thinking I was going to buy, say, half a dozen loose donuts. I didn't even know what they were for at this stage. Um, I saw a big box of donuts, dozen donuts. And the Holy Spirit said to me, this is it's weird, right? Holy Spirit said to me, buy those donuts and take them to the hairdressers. Isn't that weird? I mean, I was just going to do a bit of banking. I wanted a cost of coffee. I wanted to chill out. You know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit said to me, buy the donuts and take them to the hairdressers. 
And so I did. Bought these dozen donuts. Went back up. I hadn't even got my coffee at this stage. Went back up to the hairdressers. Walked in. Walked to the, to the desk. And uh, the girl said, oh, they're not finished yet. I said, no, I know that. I said, uh, these are for you. Well, the lady who owns the shop was doing my wife's hair coincidentally. And she came rushing over and said, what are you doing that for? I said, well, I just wanted to bless you. You're on your feet all day. You girls, girls are working hard. Uh, it was just after the lockdown had lifted. You're probably pulling like 12-hour days to try and make your money back. I just wanted to bless you and give you a donut. And she started, she got all emotional. She said, people don't normally do that for us. I said, well, there we are. Just enjoy the donuts. And before she got too, like, soppy, I was off. Okay, all right. I'm a man. Leave me alone. Thank you. Go and cut her hair and leave me alone. Well, my wife said, wow, that created conversations all over the place. And suddenly, and, and the first thing that the, the woman said to my wife was, why did he do that? What do you do that for? I give my wife an opportunity to just get her torch out. I just share Jesus with her. Turns out this woman is desperately searching for spiritual reality. Now, she's searching in a lot of interesting places for that spiritual reality, but the fact she's searching is a good thing. Uh, and, and my wife has now struck up a relationship with that woman, so much so that when my youngest daughter was back from college, they went in to get their hair done again just a couple of weeks ago. And as soon as my wife sat down, this woman opened up and started to share her story again and, and some, some details that wouldn't be prudent to talk about. And we, when we got out of the shop, they, they got out of the shop, my youngest daughter said, Mom, we need to buy her a present. Let's go and get her a present and take it back to her. And so my, my youngest daughter, her love language is, is giving and gifts. She likes getting gifts too, uh, but giving and gifts. And so, so that's what we did, or that's what they did. And they went and bought her a present and took it, took it back to her. And, and it's opening up an opportunity. Started by donuts. Who could do donuts? Come on. Yeah, who could eat a box of donuts. No, no, sorry. So that's, that's a different sermon, completely different sermon. Are, are you with me? See, sometimes as followers of Jesus, we think it's got to be something like spectacular. It's going to open up the world. Actually, do you know, there are people out there who from one week to the next never hear a kind word. Yes? Come on, are you with me? And in my previous church, we, we, had, we had older members of our church who would go from one week to the next without having physically been touched by anybody. And that's why the Christian community was so important to them, because that's where they got all their, all their touches. They're hugging everybody. Some of the old women, all right, love, you can let me go now. <laughs> Release in Jesus' name. Okay, let me go. But, but that's, that's the issue. See, we, we, we're always looking for something spectacular. And sometimes it can be really ordinary. And, and, and I want to encourage you this, if you will be open to that, I am convinced that maybe you could be a, metaphorically speaking, a donut carrier this Christmas. Come on. It could be just what someone needs. And it could change their life. Let your light shine before men, Jesus said. The issue isn't the power of the light. The issue is the position of the light. Here's the second idea really quickly. The light was positioned for impact. 
Look at this, back to verse 14. It says, a city on a hill, what? Cannot, cannot be hidden. You can't throw a blanket over the city, okay? Can't hide this. Once it's up there and the light's shining, it cannot be hidden. And in verse 15, uh, speaking of the lamp, when the lamp is on the stand, it gives light to everyone in the house. I love that. This, this idea that light is positioned for impact. And, and when light, and the other little picture that Jesus gives here is salt, when light and salt touch something, they always create an impact. Whether you like that impact or not, they're always going to create an impact. Something dynamic will happen. And, and when the light is switched on, it creates an impact immediately into that world. And it can be profound. And, and we're looking at a world that is shaking, that is nervous, worried, anxious. I mean, who could have predicted 18 months ago that businesses that we thought were going to be here for forever would disappear? That, that actually governments would be on the verge of, of crumbling. That some of the issues we've had to deal with, we would have to deal with. Who would have even suspected that? Because before COVID hit, our, our country felt like it was moving in a good direction economically. Felt like it was moving in a good direction in other things. Whatever your politics, it felt pretty solid. It felt like this is pretty good. We're, we're moving, it seems, in a decent direction. And then boom. Somebody... Somebody caught a cold in China. And here we are. Yep. I'm a, I'm a Liverpool supporter and a, 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 an avid any Any Reds in the house? Okay. I'm an avid Liverpool supporter. And uh, Liverpool were on the verge of winning the Premier League for the first time in 30 years when COVID struck. I don't know if you remember that. And I was convinced that it was a Man United supporter in the Chinese government. <laughs> that it invented COVID. Those Man United supporters will do anything to stop us win the league. Um, but, but I don't think that theory holds. Of the many conspiracy theories out there, I don't think that one uh, actually holds. But light always makes an impact. Now here's the thing to encourage you with. Most of us get discouraged about our own witness because we define impact as getting people saved. But impact is not getting people saved, although we hope that's going to be the case. Impact is impact. Now, if you stop worrying about getting them saved and just start thinking about shining, change the way you approach them. It's not your job to save them. That's Jesus' job. It's our job to shine. Come on now. Come on. Relax. Just let the light shine. And some of us, we, we've had the experience where it's been white-knuckle Christianity. We're desperate to get them saved. And because we're desperate to get them saved, we've, we've really pushed things or, or maybe, maybe cajoled a situation that wasn't quite ready for our passion. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But if you're prepared to go into that office, go into your street, go into your world, make the connections this year through something like this, and just shine and not worry, not worry, 
anxiously about the reaction, but just recognize this principle. Every time light shines, it makes an impact. It just might help you. Take the heat off a little bit. Take the pressure off you. <laughs> God, God assured Jesus with someone. Now listen, you, you don't want to be, you don't want to be sure in Jesus like that. All right. That's, that's just going to frighten everybody away. Okay. But shine, shine, let your light shine. My, my youngest daughter went on holiday with us just before the lockdown hit. And uh, we, we were on a, cr- a crowded airplane. The plane was packed with very happy holiday makers who had got very happy in the airport and were getting happier on the plane. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay, all right. So it was very, very raucous. It was very, very noisy, and I was not enjoying it. And before we had got on the, on, on the plane, our computer had spit out three seats, and me and my wife ended up together, and my youngest daughter, uh, Beth Ann, uh, ended up at the back of the plane. And I said to her, darling, do you want to swap? Do you want to sit with your mom? She said, no, dad, I'll be all right. It's only a couple of hours. We're flying to Spain. And, uh, and so off she went. And to be honest, it was so noisy on the plane. I really didn't enjoy it. I, I love flying and I love traveling. And normally, normally, so let, let, me just, let me just be vulnerable with you. Normally, if I go onto a plane, I ask literally the Holy Spirit, right, I'm going to be sitting beside someone. So, so whoever you want me to sit beside, if, if you want me to speak to them, I'm up for it. I, I will share. If they don't want to talk, I don't worry about it, okay? And I've had amazing conversations on planes, and I've had people who've took one look at me and essentially, with their look, told me, shut up, do not talk to me at all. And, and I'm cool with it. See, see, my job is not to get them saved. My job is to shine, if they don't want to listen, I'm cool with it. I just back off. and, and walk. So my, my youngest daughter's up the back of the plane. Now, that's my normal practice, but when I got on this plane, I was a bit grumpy. Is that okay to admit that, Gary? I was a bit grumpy. I have to say, it was noisy. There was, there was far too much happiness on this plane, and I was a bit nervous about how we were all going to get, get on our holiday, and I wasn't enjoying that at all. And, uh, and so I sat down, and, and there was a group of men in front of us, and I have to say, their conversation, their language was shocking. Like, and I grew up in Belfast, so I'm not, a, I'm not like a, you know, a prude, but it was, it was like wild. And it was getting wilder as the plane went on. So I was a bit grumpy with my wife. My, my daughter down the back of the plane, noise everywhere, is, is about to put her headphones in and read her book. And as she's about to put her headphones in, the Holy Spirit speaks to her. And here's what the Holy Spirit said. He said, don't put your headphones in. Now, she's, she was 18 at the time. Uh, she's an extrovert, capital E. But she just, the noise of the plane, she wanted her headphones in. And she said, okay. So she took her, took her headphones, put them on her, on her book, and she just started to read her book. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. So she thought, must have been just me imagining that so she went to put her headphones back in and as she went to put them back in the young man sitting beside her said that looks like a really interesting book so she she had the brains to understand this is why my headphones weren't in so she put her headphones down she said actually it is he said what's it about she said it's about being a follower of Jesus said I'm a follower of Jesus I love Jesus I serve Jesus and I'm reading a book about being a better follower of Jesus. He said, that's amazing. And he started talking to her. He was in his mid to late 20s. And then he started to cry. 
And my daughter said to him, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? He said, well, he said, I'm going to Spain to scatter the ashes of my father. And he had his father on his knee, right? He's, he's literally holding this thing with his father. In it. And, and so my, my, in a bag, I mean, not, not the urn, it was in a bag on his knee. And, uh, and so my, my, my daughter starts speaking to him and this young man just opens up his heart to a complete stranger on a noisy plane uh, filled with holiday makers. And he starts to open up to her and uh, my youngest daughter says to him, would you like me to pray for you? And he said to her, I love this line, he said to her, uh, I, I don't believe in God. She said, that's okay, I do. <laughs> she said, I do. Let, let me pray for you. And he said, okay, I would love you to pray for me. He, she then prayed for him. He starts crying even more. And then at the end of the prayer, he says, wow, that was amazing. What was that? I felt something really amazing. What was it? And she said, well, I believe that's Jesus touching you. The Lord loves you. He cares for you. He wants to give you a, a better life. Uh, and, and if you will open up your heart to him, he will, he will come in. Now, she didn't lead him to the Lord there in the plane, but, but that, was, that was a sort of, it felt like the conversation, she said, came to an end. And so he went quiet. She went quiet, thought, okay, job done. Went to put her headphones back in, and the young woman sitting on the outside seat leaned over the young man with his dad on his knee, leaned over the young man, grabbed my daughter's arm and said, would you pray for me? She said, I've been listening to your conversation. She said, I need some of that. Would you pray for me? I, she said, I'm going to Spain and I don't, my life's empty. I don't know what I'm going to Spain for. She said, I'm going for a bit of a, bit of a jolly and I've no idea what my life's about. I said, I've been listening to you and, and I, I need you to pray for me. My daughter then on a jet2.com plane <laughs> where her grumpy spirit-filled man of God father is down the front complaining to God that this is a terrible flight, is now reaching over the young man with his dad on his knee to pray for this girl. And as he, she prays for her, the girl starts crying as well. My daughter ends up ministering to two people on a plane because she took her headphones out. <laughs> That's it. Now, here's what's going to happen to Christmas. We're all going to get busy. We're all going to get like a million things going on. And I am convinced. Now, now, hear the word of the Lord from me. The Holy Spirit is going to give every single one of us opportunities if we are prepared to take our headphones out. The problem with taking your headphones out, it will inconvenience you a little bit. But if we're prepared to do it, then maybe, just maybe, or someone taking their kids to, to school, and that's the person. Or, or maybe that person you're doing that class with. Or maybe that neighbor that has refused you once before. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Maybe not. Don't worry about it. Just shine. Come on. Just shine. Just shine. Here's the last thought, and I'm done. Is that okay? I have no idea what time it is. What time did I start? About three hours ago. Sorry about that. Okay, here we, I, I just get carried away. I'm, I'm really sorry. So last idea and then we're done. The light is positioned. 
Lastly, to illuminate. Look at what it says. Verse 16. I love this phrase from Jesus. In the same way. Love that. Look at the city. Look at the lamp. Now, he says to the followers of Jesus, he says, in the same way. He says what? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I love this. Let your light shine so they can see it. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get a bit nervous about taking hampers to people because, well, they might feel a bit like we're, we're good, do-gooders. That's because we are. What's wrong with doing good? What's wrong with being generous? We've allowed this sort of reverse, perverse idea to stop us being the light. Listen, there are people out there that would love to bump into someone who's doing good. Be do-gooders. Let your light shine before men. Now, of course, what, what we don't want are just pious, you know, self-righteous Christians. Just We don't want that. But, but doing good is a way of reflecting God's light into our world. And, and actually, can I just encourage you, I don't know how these hampers will be distributed, but what's amazing is not just filling a hamper, but putting a face to a hamper. Putting a context to a hamper. Actually talking to someone about why we do what we do. Because it's not just, it's not just doing good. It is doing good because. Because we are followers of Jesus whose lives have been enriched by Jesus himself. And we want to enrich those around us. To illuminate is to light up. And I love this idea. It is to help clarify and explain when something illuminates, when, when the light goes on, you go, oh, wow, I, I didn't quite realize the detail of that because, because the light wasn't so good. Suddenly you put a light on and you see it more clearly. Or, or the light's on and you see the pathway that you're walking down. It illuminates, it explains, it makes clear. It makes uh, a direction you need to go in easier. A number of years ago, I went to Africa for the very, very first time. Went to Ghana. Spent a month in Ghana in 1990 and uh, preached like 29 times in 27 days. It was quite amazing. And uh, in Ghana, you go, okay, I think I'm finished. And they go, no, you're not. Keep going, keep going. Another hour, keep going. It's like weird. So, so an amazing experience. And I remember going out into the bush. I spent most of my time in Kumasi, which is the second largest city of Ghana. But I was invited out into the bush to do a, a Thursday night Bible study. Can you believe it? Out there, we got in the taxi, which improved my prayer life. No end uh, going into the bush. And then we got to this little clearing in the middle of nowhere. And I exaggerate not, there was a little concrete platform. Now the concrete platform, if you think of this raised stage, probably twice or two and a half times the size of that raised stage. And there was little pillars around the edge of the concrete foundation with a corrugated iron roof. That was it. And then there was right at the front, a single 60 watt bulb hanging there. And so I was invited to preach at this plant. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting there waiting to go. And of course, it's, it's sort of bush African time. So it's supposed to start at seven. But by the time everybody rolls in, it's about quarter past eight or something like that. Um, and actually, the people just came out of nowhere and, and all the benches are full. It's packed out, packed out. And, 
And the little 60-watt light bulb becomes the only light in, in the area. And I stand up to preach in the African bush, in the dark, under a 60-watt light bulb. And I felt like I was standing on, you know, the third runway of Heathrow Airport uh, because the bugs started to come out <laughs> of the bush. So, so bugs from miles around went, ooh, there's a light over there. Let's go and investigate what that is. Oh, oh, then there's a silly white man standing under the light. Let's go and welcome him to Africa. And so off, and honestly, there were things hitting me. I was trying to preach without opening my mouth. Now, I know you think I'm exaggerating because of the story. I am not. I was trying not to swallow stuff as I was preaching. Um, you know, the days before the iPad, my notes were written down, and so I needed the light, and there were things dropping onto my notes I've, I've never seen before or since. Uh, absolutely incredible experience. But I learned something that night. Even a 60-watt bulb is enough to illuminate the darkness. Some of you are thinking, John, you know, those are cool stories about your daughter and she's, she's obviously an extrovert and you know, you're a man of God and you're a donut story. And, and, but I, you don't know me. Well, actually, I don't need to know you. All I need to know is the light of Jesus is inside you. That's it. Yeah, going for a walk with Gary. It's a great opportunity to be intentional. It's a great opportunity to say to one of your friends who likes walking, who's not a Christian, want to go for a walk with us? It's amazing what people will say on a walk. Honestly, they'll say things on a walk they'd never say anywhere else because their guard is down, their hearts are open, and suddenly, suddenly you start to get into their world. This, this provides the opportunity for me and you to be intentional. Those, those hampers might just be the means of not just saving someone's Christmas, but saving somebody's life. Maybe that third seat is you. You need to take the third seat, grab the free McDonald's, be light in the darkness. Maybe you need to encourage your next door neighbor who's three kids, a single parent, to encourage your kids to dress up as a sheep. Everybody wants to be Mary and Joseph. Why not a sheep? Let's be, let's be the sheep. Come on. To, to dress up and come to the nativity and have some fun. And maybe, maybe you feel like that 60-watt bulb. I'm not very good at this. I'm not very bright. I'm not very amazing and dynamic. You don't need to be. You just need to be brighter than the darkness around you. Come on, are you with me? And so Jesus says to me and you, you're the light of the world. City on a hill cannot be hidden. If I can get my torch to work. There we go. City on a hill cannot be hidden. When you light a lamp, you put it on a stand. Uh, and Jesus is saying to us, for, to me and you, are we prepared to be intentional this year? Not just random, but intentional. That actually it's not your job to try and save people just to shine, just to position yourself for impact. And that actually you could be the means of illuminating a pathway for someone to come from the darkness into, into the light. And if we are prepared to shine, who knows 
what might happen. Will you stand with me if you can? Please forgive me for running over time. I am so, so sorry. I just want to very simply pray for you. And in a sense, I'm praying for myself. I have neighbors, friends, a world around me. As far as Don and I are aware, we are probably one of only a couple of followers of Jesus in our village. We moved in just before the lockdown, started the process of getting to know our neighbors, and then the lockdown said we couldn't talk to anybody and couldn't engage with anybody. And we're re-cranking that process up. As far as we know, we're, we're maybe one of just a few. And I believe God's put us there for a reason. Every day I pray over my village. Lord, let your shalom come. Let your peace come. Let your life come. Let the light of the gospel shine. As we're about to enter the Christmas season, and we've all got a million things to do, if we will also include on that list, Lord Jesus, help me to be intentional. Lord Jesus, I am open to being the light in the darkness. Lord Jesus, help me to shine in my world. Lord, help me to be sensitive to the moments when I need to take my headphones out. Lord, I feel like that 60-watt bulb. I don't feel very strong. I don't feel very amazing and very dynamic. But Lord, I know that the light inside me is greater than the darkness around me. And I just want to encourage you to be open to that possibility. You could be the city on a hill for someone this Christmas. You could be the light on the lamp for someone this Christmas. Your kindness might save not just their Christmas, but their lives. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. You declare of us that we are the light of the world. And Lord, I pray that as the darkness of our world seems to be getting darker, so the light of the gospel will shine brighter. I pray that, Lord, through us, the light will shine in our streets, in our classrooms, in our workspaces, in our homes, with those we meet every day and with those we meet occasionally. I pray, Lord, that we won't just experience the randomness of the light shining, but Lord, we will be intentional in positioning ourselves in a place of darkness so that men and women, boys and girls, can see that light and glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, I pray for the Christmas program for this church that it will be a beacon of light in the darkness. I pray for the hampers that are being prepared, that every piece of food will be a beam of light, that every hamper will be a city on a hill and a light on a lamp. That, Lord Jesus, every act of kindness will be a beacon of hope in the darkness of our world. Lord Jesus, I pray even on Thursday, as John 
and hopefully two others go and build this bed that this will be light in the darkness Lord we thank you that you came into our darkness and you shone to us and Lord I pray that we will be men and women who shine for others in Jesus name Amen <laughs>